Hey, Startup Nation, I am so glad you came back to join us for another edition of The Startup Life. You clearly are ready to get the tools you need to get ahead of the competition. Go ahead and give us a five-star rating while you're here. Now, if you're looking for an ad-free experience, go ahead and sign up for our Patreon page, where you will get exclusive content and access to our digital products that we're beginning to launch. The link is there in the show notes. And if you want to ask questions directly to some of our guests, follow the Startup Life Podcast Club on Clubhouse as some of our conversations will start to happen. Happen there. But back to the task at hand. Are you ready to level up? Of course you are. Get ready as the Startup Life Podcast begins now. It's time to be about that life. The Startup Life. Here's your host, Dominic Lawson. All right, Startup Nation. So I hope you're ready to receive some value today. My name is Dominic Lawson and this is the Startup Life, the show for entrepreneurs and career minded professionals. You know, Startup Nation, the times are a changing and so is the nature of our work. And as our familiar world crumbles around us, you know, thanks COVID-19 and technology continues snapping up more and more of the tasks humans have always done, we'll need a whole new set of skills, which is why we have a fantastic guest for you today, Startup Nation. He is a professor of business administration, a Baden fellow and a Baden executive in residence at the Darden Graduate School of Business and the author of Hyper Learning, How to Adapt to the Speed of Change. He is Ed Hess. Ed, how are you good, sir? I'm, I'm good, and I'm really great being with you and being with your audience. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's uh, the I assure you the pleasure is all ours. Thank you so much for coming uh, on the show. We really have been, uh, like I said, we've been excited and wanting to have you on the show for a long time. Uh, we've been sharing a lot of your uh, your uh, uh, written pieces on our startup blog on the startuplifepodcast.com, and a lot of people have gotten some great value from it. So now to actually talk to you is is definitely an honor, honor uh, Mr. Hess. Uh, so I appreciate that. Please, please call me Ed. We'll do. We'll do. <laughs> so Ed, you know, before we kind of uh, hop into it, we're going to talk about your amazing book uh, and stuff like that. You know, the past year has been one for the for the record books, you know what I mean? And I know you're a professor uh, and stuff like that. I, I guess I'm just curious, you know, what are some of those conversations you've been having with your students as it relates to uh, business uh, and, and, you know, the changing times and stuff like that as it relates to the past like uh, year, 13 months? Well, it's been, you know, it's been it's been challenging. It's been Absolutely. challenging for everybody. And um, I think from a business perspective, um, the, the companies I do consulting with and work with, I think what they have learned uh, in the past 14 months is is that the power of emotions, that's mm. the big learning. You can't you can't leave the emotions at the door when you go to work. Gotcha. Work is work is emotional, especially high performance work. Absolutely, dealing with customers is emotional. Dealing in teams and collaborating is emotional. Being able to manage yourself, and so what COVID has done, COVID has accelerated the rate at which the business world, the work world, is going to have to get comfortable with emotions, and people are going to have to basically really learn how to manage their emotions mm. and also how to manage so from the inside viewpoint but also how to be emotionally in the workplace with if you're an entrepreneur with your customers or with your employees and if you're in a organization with your colleagues and so i think i think the the impact that covid had on 
the role of emotions in the workplace. When I was growing up and in school and in the business world, I mean, you know, I was told from, you know, very early age, leave your emotions at the door. Right. And, you know, right. and, 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 and the, basically the goal was coming out of the Industrial Revolution and all the way up into the, you know, 70s, 80s, 90s, is that, you know, let's create human machines. Human machines are, are machines that can do, you know, lots of things and the same things over and over again at a high performance, faster, better, cheaper. Okay, that's, mm-hmm. the, that's the mantra. Right. Leave your emotions at the door. But what COVID has taught us, nope, this is all emotional. All right. It's how we relate to people, how we listen to the people, how we stand their needs, how we, in effect, build trust. Mm. Trust, trust has become very important. Right. And how we basically deal with ourselves, our internal selves, and learn how to manage ourselves. I think managing self, mastery of self, is going to be another result of COVID. People will be, you know, a lot of people are into physical training and, you know, doing their exercises every day. I mean, I can tell from you, you definitely exercise every day. Well, I mean, I try my going, best. <laughs> going, going, going forward, it's not only do people going to need physical training, PT, they're going to be working on MT, mind training. Mm. They're going to be working on HT, heart training, which is emotional training. Right. I mean, every day people going to be working on, you know, their, what's going on inside of them so that they're better prepared to adapt and learn in the era where we're coming. The best statistics out there say approximately 47% of the jobs in the United States will be automated by 2030. Mm. That's a huge number. It is. All right? Now, that number, surprisingly, is one of the lowest numbers in the world. Okay, China's number is up plus 70%. Many of the European countries, plus 50%. So, all right, so... What kind of work are we going to be able to do going forward if technology is going to do a lot of it? Well, we got to be able to think differently than the technology, emotionally connect and relate to other human beings differently than the technology, and or you know we got to be able to do specific types of trade skills or service jobs that are either highly iterative or highly emotional, mm. and so and so. What's going to be transformed is, you know, the predictions are today somebody coming out of college will have five different careers, five completely separate careers. Right. And so, you know, what you're doing today may not be doing what or how you're doing it, um, you know, in, in five years. So how do we basically learn at speed of change? For sure. For sure. And, and that's a great segue to talk about uh, your book, Ed. And once again, Startup Nation, that book is Hyper Learning, How to Adapt to the Speed of Change. And if you want to purchase that book, Startup Nation, we have a link there in the show notes for easy access if you listen to the replay on the podcast. So, Ed, you kind of broached the subject. Kinda, let's dive into it. What is hyper learning? Because you, you talk about this extensively uh, in, your, in your book, in your classrooms, and when you speak. Talk about hyper learning a little bit, if you don't mind. Hyper learning is is continuous high quality learning unlearning and relearning Mm. so it's a little bit like you know people have their computer or their device or their phone and they get basically pings you need to upgrade your software and you know you upgrade your software hyper learning is us upgrading what we know right all right and and it's and it's going to be basically you know (laughs) about the same same speed and everybody says, well, 
okay, I got it. I'm a good learner. I got good grades in school. Well, it's not that simple right. because because the science of once we reach adults, the science of adult learning is crystal clear, crystal clear. We're suboptimal learners. We go out into the world, every one of us. This is how we're wired. We go out in the world and we see what we believe. We don't see the new. We don't see the different. All right? Right. We go out in the world and we seek confirmation of what we believe. We really want to be right, okay, because our brain is very small and burns a lot of energy and we're wired not to use it much. We're lazy thinkers. The, the second thing is, is we want to go out in the world and have our ego, you know, affirmed. We, we seek ego affirmation, all right? Right. And we have these stories of how the world works. And we basically make, we want to make sure our story is correct. All right. Right. I mean, I tell this story, and it's it's every time I tell it, it's, it's embarrassing. You got you got time for a short story on, on absolutely? On I mean? Yeah. Uh, this is called cognitive blindness. Okay. All right. I was I was doing a a, 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 a talk in uh, in in uh, London um, in basically 20, 2017 mm-hmm. about hyper learning. And my, my, my wife was able to go on the trip with me. I was raised in rural Georgia. I, I didn't have a lot of cultural activities. And anytime we travel, my wife tries to take me to museums or to plays so I can get some cultural training, right. which is I appreciate. So we were at this museum, great museum, and decided to have lunch. So we sit down at lunch, and I'll make it fast. My wife says, you know, what, what are you going to have for lunch? I says, I'm probably going to have a s- salad with some salmon and smoked sa- uh, grilled salmon. I mm-hmm. said, what about you? I said, she said, I think I have the same thing. She asked me, would you like French fries? Well, she knows that I really don't eat French fries, but I know that if I say <laughs> no, she won't order them. Right. So I say, yes, I'll have, I'll, I'll have some French fries. So we're sitting at a very small table, and we're not sitting across from each other. We're sitting basically, you know, if you will, like an L. And the waiter comes and brings a small dish all right, small dish of ketchup for French fries and sets it down between us. Mm-hmm. And I look at that dish and I see the dish is half full hmm. of ketchup. Right. So I immediately, just like you, hmm, right. what's going on here? My wife deserves a full little dish of ketchup. Of course. Especially for what we're paying at this place. Right. So I... <laughs> get ready to call the waiter over here. And I say to myself, don't do this, Ed, don't do this. You know, your wife has told you she can take care of it. If she's upset, don't try to be, you know, right. Uh, her, her. So I'm sitting there and seething. All right. And the, and the, the dish is, uh, I think it was colored. It's like a blue little saucer and it's, it's sitting within 12 inches of me. All right. And I keep eyeing that ketchup half full. All right. French fries come. Wife picks up a French fry and she says, would you like ketchup or mayonnaise? I said, what? She said, would you like ketchup or mayonnaise? Hmm. And I look at the dish and it was half ketchup and half mayonnaise. Ah. So why did I look at that dish and not see the mayonnaise until she sort of forced me to see the mayonnaise? Right. And it wasn't because the dish was white. Okay, right. It didn't blend in. The dish was blue. Gotcha. Because in rural Georgia where I was raised... You eat mayonnaise on tomato sandwiches, and you eat ketchup with French fries. Right. 
Right. So my mental model of how the world works. Fair enough. We all have these mental models. We go out there and we and we see them. We see even something differently than is. So with all that big winded stuff. Okay. So what's the bottom line, Ed? Well, the bottom line is this. We have to learn how to rewire ourselves. Right. And it's not the amount of stuff you have to memorize. We have to learn how-to skills, how to think, how to listen, how to collaborate, how to manage one's emotions, all right? How to manage one's body calmness and the emotional parts thing. And so trade skills and how-to skills are going to be the skills of the future, not how much you know, because technology is going to know more than any of us, be able to retrieve it perfectly faster than any human being. So we have to be how-to skills, how to go out and figure out, if you will, what the technology can't figure out, how to think differently, creatively, innovatively, how to do higher order critical thinking when there's not a lot of data, Right. how to basically go out into the world and explore and innovate, discover. All right. Absolutely. Uh, and the key is how to emotionally connect with other human beings. All right. If you're an entrepreneur, the most important people in the world are your customers. Absolutely. The second most important people in the world are your employees. Absolutely. And the, and the, the your ability to emotionally connect with them in positive ways and to treat them fairly and to be a good human being and not be you know, abusive, et cetera. All of that comes into it. Talk, we're talking about here. You got to be, you got to bring your best self to work. All right. And that's a journey too. But you know, that's where people are going to bind together and figure out over the next 10 years, how everybody can make a contribution and have a good life. There's going to be a new way of working in, in the business world, but also a new way of working in communities. It's going to have to come to place to basically Make the American dream realistic again. It's not that realistic right now. Absolutely. Make it realistic again for everybody. Absolutely, and, and you you talk about that inclusion uh, as well as part as the as part of the hyper learning uh, model that you talked about, and your story that you talked about. Actually, I swear it's like you've been looking at my notes here. Kind of leads into my next question uh, because one of the things you talk about is. Uh, a quiet, having a quiet ego. And I want to read this part of the book really quickly, Startup Nation. Uh, quote, a quiet ego is crucial to hyper learning because it enables open mindedness, reflective listening and the abilities to seek out uh, disconfirming and novel information, emotionally connect and relate to others and effectively collaborate, end quote. So if you would just kind of talk about that quiet ego and how you get to that point, because that's a that's a big one, especially for a lot of us, especially for yeah. us entrepreneurs, for sure. Yeah. Well, a quiet, a quiet ego, quiet ego means exactly what you said, that I'm more open minded and I'm in sort of control of myself. And I understand I accept the science of learning, which I talked about, that we're all suboptimal learners. I accept that. A quiet ego accepts that. And our ego, generally speaking, Most of us were raised in environments and went to elementary school and junior high, high school. And then if you went on to college, we we were we were raised. okay, uh, and competed in school by taking tests and making higher scores. Okay, the person with the highest score got the A, right? Right. The A plus. And so 
we we grew up from elementary school on believing that smart was the person that made the highest test score. Exactly. And you made the fewest mistakes. Right. So we identify as smart. Our ego is identified. I'm smart. You're smart. Everybody wants to be smart. What does smart mean? I know more than you. I got the right answer. Oh, so what does that mean if I disagree with you? It means you're wrong. And it means I'm not going to listen to you. And it means I'm going to fight back when you tell me I'm wrong or I missed something. And that's the ego. Okay. Ego is how we define ourselves. Okay. What makes us feel good about ourselves? All right. And we live in the most competitive survival of the fittest capitalist country in the world. Right. So in the United States, it's very, very competitive. All right. In the digital age, Dominic, your biggest competitor is yourself. Mm. In the digital age, Ed, I'm speaking to myself, your biggest competitor is yourself. The first thing people need to do is to is to basically come up with a new definition of smart. And I offer that in uh, this book. I offered it in the prior book, Humility is a New Smart, with mm-hmm. my co-author. New Smart says the following. I'm defined not by what I know or how much I know, but by the quality of my thinking, listening, mm. relating, and collaborating. Right. So I changed the definition from the smart from a quantity, how much, how much, grades, right. to the quality of my thinking, listening, relating. My mental models, my stories are not reality. They're only my generalized stories of how my world works. So don't identify with it because the smartest people going forward in the digital age are the people who are going to excel at not knowing and knowing how to learn. Absolutely. And understanding that what they learn is going to constantly change and they have to, that you can't stop challenging what you believe and saying, well, I think this is right. What's changed since then? What could happen? How do I know it's right? I'm not my ideas. This is again, ego. People identify with their ideas. I mean, you would they, they will fight life and death over an idea. Absolutely. You know, um, I'm not my ideas. I must decouple them from my ego. I must be open-minded and treat what I think is right as a hypothesis to be constantly tested, subject to modification by better data. That means every one of us is going to have to be a little scientist. That's the scientific method. Okay, instead of saying, I know, I believe, my hypothesis is, my hypothesis is, I am open to receiving disconfirming information, information which disagrees with me. Mm-hmm. And if you're a really good learner, you know what you do? You go out and you look for the disconfirming information before you basically say Absolutely. you're right in Absolutely. your own mind. And so this whole concept of ego is, okay, how do we define ourselves going forward? All right. And this mastery of self is try to bring your best self to the, which is in the book, how to bring the best self to the world today and, and achieve that inner state. And what's so fascinating about this, Dominic, is that the answer to basically mastery of self is 2,500 to 3,000 years old. You can go through every, almost every, Eastern and Western philosophy, and you can almost go through every religion in the world, the seven great religions, and they all say the same thing. Right. It's inner peace. It's being control of what's going on in your body. 
quiet ego, a quiet mind. Okay? Most people, when they're listening to someone else, they're making up their answer or their mind's wandering or they're thinking about what happened 30 minutes before or they think about what they're going to be having for lunch. Right. So a quiet mind, a quiet mind that's 100% focused on what Dominic is saying. A quiet body, you're calm. You can, you can manage part of the emotions. You can manage your emotions. You can manage your fears. You can calm yourself down. And then going out in the world with a positive emotional state. Positive emotions enable learning. Negative emotions inhibit learning. Hmm. If you go out and you're afraid and you're fearful, you will not learn as well as if you will if you're not. Now, there are certain situations that people should be fearful, okay? And I'm not saying, but what we're talking about here is in right. learning situations. For sure. And so the whole story is, is that how do we manage what's going on in ourselves and change the definition of what it means to be smart so we can go out into this world that's going to be very volatile? COVID created volatility in every aspect of human life. That's what's going to continue, Not hopefully not COVID, right. but the volatility is going to continue over the next decades. All right. There is right. no doubt about it. And so the ability to basically sit back, okay, calm down. What's going on? What do I know? What do I not know? How am I feeling about all this? Right. Okay, et cetera, et cetera. Now, how do I go go forward? It's it's that type of uh, that type of work is as I said said before, you know, if, if you study great athletes, really great athletes. Mm -hmm really great musicians or dancers or warriors, people that are basically have individual type of, generally speaking, jobs and their performance. Right. The science of, of how they basically achieve their excellence through doing daily practices and being doing deliberate practices to improve is the same thing that you're going to have to do and I'm going to have to do going forward to stay relevant. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, we, you know, and you talk about some of those people uh, in your book, you know, you know, philosophers and, and things of mine. But I want to ask you, you know, uh, well, just kind of reiterate the startup nation. You know, when you talk about that inner peace, that quiet mind, which can be kind of difficult to do. So I'm glad you said that, you know, you got customers, you have issues with team members and stuff like that. Uh, but it's, it's super important to ultimately ultimately uh, be your best self and be your best self for your customer, be your best self for your business uh, and the like. So I'm so glad you said that, Ed, for sure. Yeah. Um, and, and the book puts forth ways to basically work on yourself. Absolutely. Right? To, to achieve that. And, uh, and, you know, so many people that are reading the book have corresponded with me. There's like book clubs that have been set up around the world and they're actually, it, it comes it, it it comes down to a couple of practices, okay? That mm -hmm. you know, one is your daily intentions. What's how do I want to be today and every day? And people make up their list. It can be you know, it doesn't have to be a long list, okay? And it depends. I mean, you know, I've got like how do I want to be? I read it every morning. I got fourteen little just blurbs. This is how I want to be. Right. I want to be kind. I want to be caring. I want to be really, really present. That means not having my mind wander. I want to be a really good listener. Really listen, not be making up the answer. Be really still inside, totally quiet inside. And 
So you you know you it's, you you basically do practices each day, and you can do practices to basically quiet the mind. The the best way to science, Harvard, Wisconsin, Stanford, other schools around the world. The best way to quiet your mind is to do mindful meditation every day. And you start out trying to do two minutes, and you three minutes, and you work up to five minutes, and you work up to ten minutes, and you work up to twenty minutes. And twenty minutes is is is, is the minimum target. Do twenty minutes of meditation every day. You have gratitude exercises. Gratitude exercises. None of us achieves excellence by ourselves. I mean, I. That's so important to say. I'm glad you said that. So so you know, I'm a little bit older older than you, and you know. Some time ago, I sat back and and I said, "Wow, I never really thought that about it." And I made a list of all the people that had a major impact on my major positive impact on my life. Okay, Mm -hmm. and so many of them I never really thanked. Unfortunately, a lot of them have passed away. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was fifty-two people, fifty-two people Mm -hmm. that had a major impact on my life. Gotcha. Seeing something in me and 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 and. Opening up doors, believing in me, giving me opportunities. And so this gratitude thing about doing a gratitude. Do gratitude every morning, you know. Speak gratitude to those who passed away that have helped you. Write gratitude notes to people. Mm. The the power of saying thank you in the workplace. Absolutely. It's the most underutilized power there is. Absolutely. Especially when you're dealing with employees. So you got... Mindfulness, daily intentions, mindfulness, meditation, gratitude. You know, if you just do that, all right, you're talking 30 minutes a day. That's not a lot. Then if you, as you work up and get better, all right, you will add other activities that will, will basically help you. Different types of meditation, for example, or you'll basically take what I call little, little breaks during the day. Just to take deep breaths and deep breathing is the next thing you would add. Deep breathing exercises, Navy SEALs deep breathing exercises, um, and deep breathing exercises. But being able to calm yourself in the day. All right, someone is as good as you are and as educated as you are. I know you you've got the capability. You can feel yourself when you're sort of getting stressed and getting worked up. Absolutely, okay? you have <laughs> Absolutely. ways. Whether it's to go outside, whether it's to you know uh, take deep breaths, whether it's to take a short little walk or some, you have ways to calm yourself down. And basically, the highest level of thinking and human engagement with other human beings comes about when a person is in the state of inner stillness or inner peace. And when people are like that, they can basically the quality of their engagement is like off the charts. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing. All of that. And Startup Nation, I just want to remind you, for those of you who are uh, Patreon members, make sure you download that digital worksheet. Ed is dropping a lot of information uh, that definitely wants you to think about. So in that box where we talk about how did this episode make you rethink your business or career, really think about that inner peace, that inner quietness and being reflective uh, on that. that. Again, that's for my Patreon members. Go ahead and download that digital worksheet for this episode. Ed, I want to ask you, uh, this question, because the way the book is written, it we can I can obviously tell you're such a professor. You know what I mean? You have and you talked about this just now. You talk about like that. You have like break times in the book and you have like reflection moments in your book and you have 
uh, like, you know, like these uh, like worksheets and stuff, like, you know, worksheets within the book and stuff like that. I love books that are like this because they're active uh, and stuff like that. Talk about the, the strategy for implementing those things in your book when you talk about writing a book, because I think that's fascinating for not just entrepreneurs, but also those entrepreneurs who may be thinking about writing a book themselves. Yeah. Um, that's a very good, that's a very good question. I, I intentionally wanted to write an active learning book. Absolutely. Over the decades, I have learned that people in order to learn have to make meaning of the content. What's their interpretation? And they have to work at that making meaning. And so I wanted people to make meaning of the content. And then I've learned over the years that it really comes down to behaviors, that learning really doesn't occur unless it's evidenced by behaviors. Right. So the book is very behavior oriented and has, a, you know, you know, uh, take listening. OK, the, you, you, you need to be a really good listener. Well, what observable behaviors would tell you, Dominic, that I'm a good listener? observable okay right. not with not with making any assumptions you know if i was to interrupt you while you were talking that's an observable behavior which says he's <laughs> right. not listening to me he's <laughs> right. he's worried about his answer <laughs> right um, if 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 you stop talking and i didn't interrupt you and i immediately tell you what i think why you're wrong or why i'm right okay mm-hmm. that says something wow did he listen to me or he's just basically been waiting to pull a trigger right okay uh, but if if I ask you a que- if I say the following, I'm not sure I understand what you're saying. Let me tell you what I heard, and then you tell me what I'm missing. And or I don't really understand what you're saying. Could can you reframe that another way or say it another way? Mm. Um, you know. So what behaviors evidence good listening? What behaviors, if you will, evidence, if you will positive emotional engagement. How do I connect with people emotionally? How do I slow down and connect? All right. How do I, how do I behave in a ways that people feel like I care about them as an individual? They're just not someone I'm using to make more money. Right. Okay. Absolutely. Because if a person is cared about, then a person may trust me. And then if I have customers that trust me and employees that trust me, so long as I continue to earn that trust, of course, the performance goes off the level because everybody emotionally wants to do business with, and that's customers and with fellow, with employees, custom, do business with people that are, quote, nice people that I can trust, that are dependable, that are honest, that are fair. And, and it, so it comes down to, okay, well, how do I actually do this? I understand what the book says. Well, it's how you actually connect. Do you look at people? Do you smile? The, the most underused human facility in the business world is, all right? I mean. I'm sorry. If you will say that one more time, because you cut out most, just for a second. What was the most underutilized? The, the most underutilized skill. Mm-hmm. In the business world, is smiling. Gotcha. Gotcha. It's smiling. Just try and smile at somebody, and see if see what happens. They smile back, and so long as you maintain eye contact, the science shows that there's basically chemicals going on in their body and chemicals going on in your body, and there is a chemical connection that we don't really know that's going on, but it is. 
And that chemical connection changes everything to like, okay, I'm safe. Because everybody is looking for safety and trust. And I mean, that's evidence in everything going on in the world. And in the business world, it's mission critical. It's mission critical that basically, absolutely, you know, the, you know, what do customers want? Customers want you to want you to take care of them. What do employees want? They want opportunities to be able to live a meaningful life and to have meaningful work and to be appreciated for their work. This this stuff's not rocket science. It comes down to how we behave and what's our attitude, right? And what's our mission? Okay, and our mission has got to be, in most cases, money's important. We all need money. The mission is more than making money. Making money is the end result of meaningful relationships and meaningful work. All right, Startup Nation, so we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. we got to pay some bills. Once again, my name is Dominic Lawson, and you're listening to The Startup Life. Check it out, Startup Nation. I know many of you are trying to improve your marketing performance, right? You have your business or your e-commerce store, and you're trying to increase that brand awareness. No worries. I got you. You should listen to the brand new Keep Optimizing podcast. That's optimizing with an S and not a Z. It's a marketing podcast that will provide you with not only the latest tips and advice in the game, but also you will hear from experts in their field when it comes to email marketing, SEO, and more. This is a must-listen-to podcast for my e-commerce entrepreneurs. It's hosted by Chloe Thomas, who is a 15-year marketing expert, best-selling author, and award-winning podcast host. It's already a top-20 marketing podcast in seven countries, so clearly you're going to get amazing value every episode. So as you can see, Stoutermation, you're in good hands with my girl, CT. So listen and subscribe to the Keep Optimizing podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you like to get your favorite podcast. You can also get more information at keepoptimizing.com. The link is there in the show notes. All right, Startup Nation, welcome back as we continue our conversation with today's guest here on The Startup Life. I hear that. No, you're absolutely right. And I definitely agree with that for sure. Once again, Startup Nation, we're talking to Ed Hess, the author of Hyper Learning, How to Adapt to the Speed of Change. And if you want to get your copy of this book, which I highly recommend, Startup Nation, we have a link there in the show notes for easy access if you listen to the replay on the podcast. So, Ed, I want to ask you this kind of shift gears here just a little bit because you've had an amazing career in, in education and stuff like that. And in relation uh, in regards to your book, you know, we have a lot of people who are you know, school administrators or, you know, principals, you know, who, who listen to the book and stuff like that. And for a long time, like, you know, we, we there's been struggles in education. Let's just be honest. Uh, you know, so uh, with a book like Hyper Learning, what are some of those things that can be adapted like at the grassroots level, at the classroom, at the at the school level, even at the district level that can be beneficial to moving education forward, in your opinion? Yeah. Uh, that's that's a good question. That's a good question. The Secretary of Education of the country of Australia commissioned me four or five years ago to mm-hmm. write a paper on the education of the future. And I've, I've been in the education field 
uh, uh, some all through my career, uh, going back to my graduate days in, in, uh, with a minor in educational psychology. And uh, I, I think that our education system, basically our education system is going to need to be transformed to basically give children, students, the experiences that they can learn to be a hyper learner. They can learn to basically think differently than technology. They can learn how to emotionally connect with human beings. They can learn how to, how to make stuff, mm. all right? How to, you know, create stuff. How also in skill jobs, I mean, trade jobs, trade skill jobs are going to be, you know, very, very important going forward. So long as the skill you do requires you to go in and basically iteratively figure out what's wrong. All right. Because computer can't do that. Smart machine can't do that. Robot can't do that. Right. And then you try something and you see if it works and then you keep trying and iterating. And so it's iterative discovery, iterative learning, fixing it. And then if you got to be manual dexterity, you know, bending, you know, get, moving back and forth in, you know, in, inside a house somewhere, you know, those, those jobs are going to be, you know, primarily done by human beings that have learned how, if you will, to go in, figure it out, try things, keep iterating, etc. Teaching those skills along with how to think innovatively, how to think critically, how to engage, how to work in teams. All of that is experiential. All of that is it's not sitting in a classroom. Right. Content is going to become basically um, secondary to how-to skills, mm. okay? How to manage oneself, okay? How to listen, how to collaborate, how to think, etc. So schools are going to have to be transformed. In fact, uh, I've, I'm, I have talks ongoing with two groups about, a, you know, modeling a hyper-learning high school. Okay. Right? And, and, you know, it remains to be seen where that's going to go. But this is not news, Dominic. Sixty years ago, the National Education Association commissioned a study on the philosophy of learning in in, in basically public education. And the results of that study, all right, are the same, are basically what needs to happen today. And the results of that study, there's been other studies going on. So we know what to do in the education world. We need to educate, we need to transform from the, if you will, it's all about content. It's all about standardized testing. It's all about, you know, getting those grades. Right. And, sending people out there. No, it's not about that. It's basically highly individualized learning by doing, all right, mm -hmm. through, through doing projects um, which students have input on what to do, and it, whether it's music project, theater project, uh, uh, plumbing project, uh, uh, starting a, you know, a little business project or cooking project, it doesn't matter. So long as kids, long, long, so long as kids learn how to go into the unknown and explore and figure it out. So long as they learn how to collaborate and work with others. So long as they learn how to manage what's going on inside of them. So long they experience the joy of learning. 
all right? Mm -hmm. Because it's that joy of learning, which is going because kids in school today, you know, who who knows what their life is going to be like? Absolutely. Right? Um, uh, you know, by that time with where, where technology is going. So what what do I, I think that superintendents and principals are going to have to be courageous, mm. understand that that it's going to take a while to change the education system. What can I do with what I control right. to basically move our students along so they can go out into this digital age and think differently and emotionally be highly emotionally intelligent and excel at how-to skills. How do how do I give them those opportunities? And you you and those opportunities only can can occur by kids basically doing stuff and right. having input into what they're doing and 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 having good teachers who basically are there to when you know because kids are going to fail they're going to make mistakes that's all great well how do you what do you learn from the mistake and what do you fix right and, you know and so you don't get a failing grade because your innovation didn't work no what'd you learn do we want to try it and do it differently or do you want to do a new definite the fact that the kid had the courage to it's like riding a bicycle when you were growing up riding a bicycle i'm guessing mm -hmm. you probably were somebody maybe held the bicycle and you got on and went or absolutely know, yeah all right so somebody held the bicycle right the first time you got on the bicycle they let go you fell off i'm sure absolutely or the bicycle fell over and so what did you do all right you probably you may have cried a little bit okay and you may not have but whatever but you, you basically high percentage of the time you you dusted yourself off you basically so the one that was helping you, one tried to maybe help you on. You probably said, no, I'm going to do this myself. You got on the bicycle. What would you do? You pedaled a little bit and you fell again. Right. What you do? You got back up and got on and you learned to ride the bicycle. Well, learning how to innovate, learning how to think critically, learning how to basically go into the unknown and figure things out, learning how to emotionally connect with people. You're going to, It's going to be like riding a bicycle. Right. For sure. So, the, so, so the pedagogy is is no longer, you know, books with lots of content that people memorize and take tests. The pedagogy is an analogy, of course. Mm -hmm. Riding a bicycle, learning to right. ride a bicycle. Although sure. you're going to be, and you'll use the content. You know, you choose what what excites you. Well, I want to build this. Well, what do you need to know to build this? Uh, maybe I need to know how to. Um, do this type of uh, figure out whether this will work money wise. Okay, what is that? Well, maybe I need to know some either finance or some math. Okay, what math do you need to learn? Well, I think it. Let's let's look at this. Okay, well, let's go learn this. Absolutely, absolutely. No, uh, that that idea of the hyper learning high school excites me. That's definitely something that would excite, excite my wife as well. Definitely have to get you two connected uh, for sure, because she's that's something that she would definitely uh, be excited about. Uh, you know, I, I want to ask you this because you, you talked about you know uh, some of the people that you know like you know athletes and warriors and, and stuff like that who kind of exhibit the hyper learning doctrine and stuff like that. So like, who's somebody that sticks out for you you know i know you grew up in rural georgia footballs king and stuff like that uh you know whether it be a football player or just anybody uh who is somebody for you that really embodies that hyper learning uh you know aspect that everybody knows if you don't mind me asking well if you think if you think about 
people that uh, and and these these will be people who most all of these people engaged in daily practices mm. they had, and, and, and most of them included mindfulness meditation okay practices uh, uh, but uh, you know I'll just give you an example I mean the the, the Chicago Bulls NBA basketball team uh, when Phil Jackson was the coach right. I mean, he, he, he he brought in uh, an amazing man uh, and became the became the meditation coach for the Bulls and mm-hmm. this is when Michael was there and everybody but if you look at a if you if you look at a he's passed away a Kobe Bryant or you look at any of the great NBA stars today right. they all have in, are in, have engaged in or engaging in managing self practices and discipline practice you look at you know great violinist almost all of them deliberate practice working on that little minor thing that's going to and constantly working to improve uh, you know I, I can remember when I was growing up as a kid and um, Johnny Unitas and Raymond Berry played mm-hmm. for the uh, Baltimore Colts and what was what was so interesting is practice was over and there was always two people who stayed an extra hour and kept practicing by themselves. It was Johnny Unitas throwing to Raymond Berry, right? And uh, and so it's it's who who puts in that extra time to hone themselves, and it's 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 not just as I mean the the special special operations special forces teams of the United States military, especially mm-hmm. the Navy SEALs, they train this way. All right, they train this way. They train themselves, if you will, emotionally and mentally, so that they basically, in the heat of combat, that they're they're trained to be totally calm inside, so they can sense and respond. All right, and so they go through, you know, uh, you know, very hard training, and so, and you're so you're seeing it in 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 professional sports, especially you're seeing it. Most definitely in the N- NBA, it's pretty widespread. Uh, the San Antonio Spurs are good at this. The Absolutely, Oklahoma City Thunder are, is good at it. Um, 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 and you see it. You see it. Some not. In, you see it with some NFL players. Uh, you don't. You don't see it as much as the team because the team sizes are so much bigger. Uh, so it's it's. Um, you, you look at anybody. You know. Um, uh, in anybody that's that's the deliberate practice work was right. basically was basically science, and you look you know in pianist, all right. The pianist will basically the, the ones that are really great. They'll work on something that's just a small part of the piece till they get it right, and then they'll work on something else. And so it's this mentality of wanting to achieve human excellence, knowing we never will. But the joy is in the journey. Absolutely, absolutely. The joy is in the journey, and and that's what everybody. And but you know, there are other people who train themselves, if you will, to to basically master themselves and the, go out. I mean, you know, many of the of the, of the great civil rights leaders absolutely right, trained themselves. You know, the, and so they could behave in the ways they wanted to behave, whether it was Martin Luther King or John Lewis. And you know, and that on goes today. And in some of the his historic great great leaders were always in in control of what was going on inside of themselves, and they did that 
through meditation or 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 basically in, engaging in um, the you know, religious books, right. uh, et cetera, or praying. Okay, uh, and that that goes all the way back twenty five hundred to three thousand years to the Eastern Eastern philosophies. I mean, the yeah, the um, Eastern philosophies in Asia that that people basically would basically spend time working on themselves, and and that and that they had a philosophy of life. Our kids today, the high school of the future, there has to be a one year or two year long philosophy course in my judgment, mm-hmm. that teaches all the principles of the Eastern philosophies, the Western philosophies, and all the principles of the seven great religions. Because what you're going to find is it's all similar. Very much so. Yeah. Very much so. And kids should come out with that. Very much so. Thank you so much uh, for sharing it. And thank you so much for your time on the startup life and that's going to wrap up our session here of the startup life podcast we want to once again thank ed hess author of hyper learning how to adapt to the speed of change and once again startup nation that link to purchase that book is there in the show notes for easy easy access if you listen to the replay on the podcast ed thank you so much for coming on the show i really appreciate and value your time my my pleasure thank you for having me of course and as always startup nation if you have an idea be about that life the startup life. If you want to let us know what you think about the show, have an idea for a show topic, or would like to advertise on a show, send us a message. Our contact information is there in the show notes, or feel free to reach out to us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Go ahead and follow us while you're at it. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podcast One, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts, and be sure to hit us with that five-star rating. We would really appreciate that. Be sure to check out the show's website and its startup blog, where either I or some of the world's best business minds share content that will give you the edge you need in your journey, whether that's the path of entrepreneurship or climbing the corporate ladder subscribe to our patreon to listen to ad free episodes exclusive content and digital products that we are beginning to offer and if you want to be part of the conversation join the startup life podcast on clubhouse to have the ability to talk directly to some of our guests and as always startup nation if you have an idea be about that life the startup life